0: Welcome, everyone. It's David Widmar, co-founder of Ag Economic Insights, joining you this week for another episode of Ag Uncertainties. And we're talking about New questions for the upcoming wazi report. Of course, the new wazi report comes out next week, August the twelfth, and a couple stories on China. So I'm going to start with the new questions to encourage you all to go check that out and get your forecasts logged. These will come quick and they'll resolve quick. The first question is what's the probability of the corn yield for the August wazi coming in above 177 bushels per acre. Of course, the starting point for the USDA was 179.5. Check out Jeff Young's articles his estimates and the models that he's been keeping us up to date. We think 177 is pretty close to where all the models are coming in. We're starting to see all the trades expectations coming in. Some are above, some are below. I suck my neck out a long ways. I have a forecast of 71%. We'll see. I went out a long ways on this limb. The consensus, however, if you notice the consensus is coming in at about 38% chance of above 177 bushels per acre in this report. Soybeans, We have this one at 49.5 bushels. So, what's the probability of the WISE report estimating US? Soybean yields above 49 and a half bushels. I'm at a 50-50, and the consensus has been there as well. So a lot of uncertainty. And one of the things I want to point out, we're going to follow up on an article we did last year. One of the takeaways here is that for corn, the August report historically more accurate than any of the previous ones, but it's still subject to a lot of movements. So in the past, we've seen 10 bushel per acre movements higher and lower from August. So there's still a lot that can be happening here. Soybeans, there is a whole lot of uncertainty here for soybeans. So with corn, we take one step closer and dialing it in with soybeans it's not nearly as dialed in as as the corn situation we also added two new questions about ending stocks so are we going to see these tight stock situations play out on corn we asked about the january 2022 wasi report will it come in with a corn stocks use ratio equal to or less than 10 percent and then for the same report will it come in at equal to or less than five percent for soybeans so get in there get your forecast. These are two different styles here. Of course, one of them will be sort of a one-off forecast that'll be resolved next week. And the other one will take next six months to get that resolved. We won't get that resolved until early 2022. Switching gears a little bit, talking about a couple articles that Brent and I spent some time working on to what we're thinking about memos. So feel free to share those. You can share the PDF versions of those. There's links in the article to that. Really stepping back and we've been asked over the last six months, what's going on with China? We've seen a lot of folks writing about it and we just had never seen anything really dial in specifically to what we thought would be super insightful. So we took a look. And one of the first things I want to share that we kind of came to the conclusion of is a lot of folks are quick to say, we can't trust the data coming out of China. And then they don't ever look at the data. It's sort of an excuse for them not to do the work to look at the data. And so as we were preparing this, we stepped back and said, okay, not all data have the same amount of reliability, especially when it comes to maybe the China situation. But one, that is an excuse not to look at the data. And two, we should think about what has more or less reliability. So we made a list here. At the top of the list for reliability, the most reliable data are probably the trade data especially trade with the US, right? Because the US is capturing what entities in the United States are reporting. So that's very reliable. And then as we work our way through the production, the usage and the ending stock data, it's important to realize the ending stocks data are arguably the hardest for any country, and especially in China. And in the U.S., we use those quarterly stocks reports to help ground truth that. So we have estimates all the way down, and all of the errors of any of those estimates, or maybe the errors of the the seat, if that's what you're thinking about. Those all sort of start to live in the ending stocks. And so if there's one number that you sort of have to be really careful with, it's the ending stocks. In the U.S., the USDA does a lot of work on that, but That's not done in all foreign countries, such as China. So we have to weight all the data differently. And when China... China's purchases, their data out of the US into China, that is pretty factual. That's not a lot of speculation around that or uncertainty around that. But as we move down, we have to use different levels. So I want you all to think a little bit about that. Second of all, we put together six charts to look at the China corn situation. You could look at these charts in the article itself, but I want to point out a couple of things. First off, China's purchases have been historically significant. So they've made purchases in the past and they were equivalent to two 250 million bushels. These were big purchases. And now we're at more than a billion bushels of purchases last year and forecasted for this year. So this is a very different environment for China to be out purchasing. Second point I want to make is China's consumption has been increasing pretty steady over the last few years or estimated consumption. At the same time, production has been pretty flat. And this is something that we don't see a lot of folks talking about. Everyone's talking about the export data or the trade data. But when we look at the production and consumption data, we can see some trends. Now you can decide how reliable or unreliable that data are, but we have to look at the data first. We have to at least know what the data are saying before we toss it out, so to speak. And when we dive even deeper into the production data, and this is something that I think is pretty unique that we've talked about that not a lot of folks are are sharing about, it's that China's harvested acres have actually declined from about 2014, 2015. And so there was this big increase, decades worth of China harvesting more and more corn on an annual basis. And then we've seen that pause and actually dip slightly lower. Why are we bringing this up? Well, we think it's really important to understand is China's new purchase activity, buying lots of corn from global markets, is it a supply situation or a demand situation? So is it weather-driven or is it not weather-driven? It's really important to think about. And one of the key elements that the data are telling us that I don't think folks are talking about is this five or six-year trend of China simply not adding or expanding acres. And you can argue how accurate this data might be. We can all agree that the trend has made move away from more acres per year, which has been the decades-long career up till 2015, to now a pause and maybe a slight reduction. So China's harvested corn acres is really important, especially given they estimated to continue to consume more on an annual basis. So keep that in the back of your mind, read these articles, really important if this is something that you're thinking a lot about. So then we follow this up with another article that says, how should we be thinking about this situation? how should we really step back and think about what's going on? And, and if you really want to frame this uncertainty around the ag forecast network type question, you can sort of start to think, what's the probability of, say, China purchasing 1.5 billion bushels of corn five years from now in 2026 slash 2027? Why that's important is because 1 billion is where we are today. It is a historically a huge number. And if we want to see growth from that, this sort of Demand shock on the world markets of China now turning to the world to meet its demand needs, its domestic needs, we might expect this to increase. And so we can keep our eye on this sort of 1.5 billion bushel number moving out. And of course, we want to highlight that there's been a lot of theories over the last six months. We made a, a list of theories that why China has been buying its phase one trade agreements. It's an inventory or a storage issue. Either they are they have bad corn or they're rotating the stocks or there's less reported thus there than what they've had reported. Or maybe there's something going on with a fear of increased escalation with the trade war or maybe future conflict in the region. And I think it's really important to notice that all these theories are kind of like randomly throwing darts at a dartboard. And if one of them hits and turns out to be the case, that doesn't necessarily make it a good throw, right? Just because you make a seven or eight guesses as to why China's buying and one of them turns out to be reality, that doesn't mean you're very skilled at understanding. But what we know with certainty, and again, encourage you to read this article, is that the situation in China, however sort of maps out to be, if it's a supply situation or demand situation as to why they're buying so much corn, it's more than one single factor. And it's very tempting for... Us, it's human nature to want to simplify the China story into a headline or Twitter comment 160 or 180 characters that really summarize the whole thing. The situation in China is going to be more nuanced, more complicated, and more muddied uh, than any one situation can capture. And a few things that we've listed, and I'll capture just a few of that list, is that China is a country that's been very heavy handed with their policies around ag production. They've experienced a huge transition to the export markets over the last 20 years, given the strong demand for ag commodities at home. They also have had several economy-wide disruptions. So there's African swine fever, there's the trade war and COVID-19. And so we think it's important to recognize that what's going on with China is being impacted by a whole lot of factors. And we really got to step back and realize there's not just one little story that's going to capture the full entirety of the situation. So as we think back and write this story, and we wrote these two stories, it's really important for folks reading and listening to this to step back and say, okay, where do I think this story is going to play out? Brent and I both think there's a long-term story here for China, especially given the trends and the data we've wrote in other articles. But it's important to step back and think about, okay, where are we with the corn situation? How might that play out? Four or five years, we will look back at the data and definitively say, oh, this was a weather phenomenon. They had drought or they had floods or they had short-term hiccups that were able to be resolved in a short period of basis. Or B, this was part of this long-term China growth story. So as you think about it, read these articles to sort of step back, challenge your thinking a little bit, and to help keep your eye on the trends. And again, I want to reemphasize this. I think one of the trends that's not being talked about a lot is the trend towards China harvesting less corn over, over the last five or six years. And so they have just not been expanding their, their corn production base in the former farmland. There's, their yields are still increasing. And we have that chart in there as well, but the actual number of acres hasn't been keeping up with the demand. So that's very, very important for listeners to keep an eye on. So, again, to recap today's conversation, keep an eye on the upcoming WASD report. Keep an eye on market expectations. We drew the line at 49 and a half bushels per acre on soybeans. We drew it at 177 bushels for corn. Both of these are notably below uh, where the USDA started with their most recent WASD reports and would be below trend yields. But all the private forecasts are starting to come out and we're starting to get a picture of this. Second point I want to mention here is for every private forecast that you see, there's a range of possible outcomes. If you still want to think about what specific point estimate or what specific yield number the USDA is going to come out with next week, I want to challenge you to step back and think about, okay, make your point estimate and then step back and say, what's the range of possible yield outcomes that the USDA might forecast that in? So if you say 177, like we did in the forecast network question for corn, are you confident it'll be plus or minus three bushels of that, one bushels of that, five bushels of that? So maybe up to 182 and down to 172. So stop and think about how much confidence you have for any specific point forecast. We think the Ag Forecast Network works really great for you to think about uncertainty. What's the probability of this event happening? You can start to see the Wide range. So, think about just my forecast at something about 70% chance it's going to be above 177. For the consensus to be below 30%, there are several of you out there who have forecasts that are pretty darn low for this to happen. So, keep that in mind as you move forward. So, the second piece that we mentioned earlier on is if you want to think about a point, think about the range. And in a lot of cases, the range might be wider than what we as individuals want to, I guess, admit or think about at the outset a lot of uncertainty here still in the growing season. And we'll see how that plays out. Of course, a year ago, the USDA report came out after that Iowa storm and the yield number was above trend. And of course, that yield number for corn worked its way lower throughout the growing season. So still very open-ended. Again, this is David joining you this week for a recap of things that we're thinking about, things that we're writing about. encourage you to Go think about the USDA's next report, log your forecast for ending stocks, for yields, and take a look at those China articles. I think you'll enjoy those. So again, thanks so much for joining us. In the meantime, stay curious.